Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Turn with me to the 12th chapter of the book of Acts, Acts chapter 12. Two weeks ago, of course, last uh, Sunday, Pastor Angela and I were in Merced, California. I tell you what, what a, what a fired up church we were in last Sunday. And uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, and Tuesday night had great services there. And, uh, but before we left uh, uh, the week before, two weeks ago, I talked to you about the vision uh, for America. And I talked about the upcoming election, and I talked about it primarily from a natural standpoint or the way uh, you should think about things naturally and so forth. Today I want to turn and also talk about uh, not just the election but broader of what's going on in our nation from a spiritual standpoint and uh, to look at what is really going on. You know, you have to be able to look behind uh, the headlines and beyond the headlines to see what God is doing because the, the, the natural uh, media in, the, in, in our country, they're not equipped to handle spiritual things. And they don't know, they don't perceive things to begin with. And even if they did, they don't know how to report on it. And uh, we know from the word of God and from the spirit of God what's going on. And so I want to talk to you about, excuse me, some of these things today. In the 12th chapter, and I know this is a, is a, uh, a lot of reading, but I want us to read the entire 12th chapter of the book of Acts together. And then I'm going to make some comments about it so that we'll get the context. Acts chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some of the church. Everybody say harass some of the church. And I don't just say that as a, as a preacher habit, you know, say this and say that after me. I want you to understand that there's something here about uh, harassing the church that we need to focus on. It says that the government uh, stretched out its hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed, that's Herod, King Herod, he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Verse five, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer, constant prayer, constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping bound with two chains between two soldiers and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him and a light shone in that prison and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up saying, arise quickly and his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, gird yourself and tie on your sandals and so he did. And he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they were past the first and second guard post, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street and immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. So when he had considered this, he came to the house, to the house of Mary, the mother of, Je of John, whose surname was Mark, where, there were, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhonda came to answer. And when she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, you are beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, it is his angel. It is his angel. Now Peter continued knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But motioning to them with his hand to keep silent, 
He declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of prison and he said, go tell these things to James and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. Then as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers about what had become of Peter. But when Herod had searched for him and not found him, he examined the guards and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. I want you to notice here that we have an account in the early church uh, of the government taking a stand against the church. And it says that King Herod stretched out his hand to harass some in the church. And he first killed James, that was the James of the trio, Peter, James, and John, John's brother, and killed him with the sword. That means he cut his head off. And then he was going to do the same thing to Peter. And so the church finally woke up and said, you know, things are more serious than we thought they were. And it's time to rise up and do something. And so the church started praying and it says that constant prayer, or as the margin says, earnest ongoing prayer was offered on his behalf uh, to God. We, are, we have been for a long time now uh, harassed. The church has been harassed by the government and by the culture for many, many years. Particularly the last eight years. This government, our government, the government that is of us, has stretched out its hand repeatedly. Now, we don't, because of the form of government we have, and thank God for the U.S. Constitution, who many people on the left demonize and and discard and really want to replace. It is the document, that, and it was inspired by the Holy Ghost. And it's not, it's not on the same level of scripture, I don't mean that, but it was an inspired document. Men were inspired by the Spirit of God to craft this document and it has safeguarded and guided our republic all of these years. Because of our constitution, our leaders are not free to do just anything they wanna do like King Herod was. But I, in 2008... The United States elected the most anti-Bible, the most anti-Christian president this nation has ever known. Now, if you want to dispute that, I printed out, and you can go, I only have one copy, and, and I'm not obviously not going to read it because it's 26 pages long, but you can go to David Barton, just Google David Barton, and the words, uh, President Obama anti-biblical. He has put together, David Barton, a Christian historian, has put together uh, a document that outlines in four different categories all of the uh, uh, anti-Christian, anti-biblical moves that this president has done in these eight years. And And we've been seeing this and watching this. It's been a steady drip and a steady onslaught since this man came into office. He was a terrible mistake for the church. Listen, forget politics. I'm talking about for the church. Listen, the things of the church ought to come before everything. It doesn't matter where you stand on politics. We're talking about the gospel and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and our mission in this world and in this nation to preach the gospel. This president has consistently and over and over and over again come against the principles of the word of God. If you want to come after church and look at that, you know, one person at a time, you can, uh, but I encourage you to go online and look it up. David Barton. Our government, it's one thing, we've seen for decades now how the entertainment industry and and, uh, other uh, movers and shakers of the culture have worked to undermine the principles of Christianity. No one can dispute that. No one here or anywhere else can dispute that that's gone on in our country. 
The things of God, the, va- the things of, of the Bible, in other words, Bible-based values has been under assault in this nation for decades. And we, we had it going on in a limited way by government, but more overtly and more strongly in the uh, uh, entertainment uh, world and, and figures like that have have worked to shame Christians and make it make it an embarrassing, disgraceful thing to speak your faith, to have solid biblical values on anything. And then in the last eight years, we've seen the government, our own government, weaponized against the church and against Christians. Now, not cutting off people's heads because, thank God, we have a constitution that prohibits that. And there are some safeguards. But the church has been harassed, especially in these eight years. But prayer has been offered, praise God. In in my lifetime, I have not witnessed the level and the degree of prayer going up for our nation as I have witnessed, especially in this last year. Christians have prayed earnestly. And it seems that uh, because of our own failure to obey, God has allowed us to come to a place where we've been brought to our knees in prayer. And it it wasn't God's doing, it was because we allowed these, these things should never have been tolerated in the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the the 10s, they should not have been allowed. And they, we're, listen, the nation is in the shape it's in morally and spiritually because of the church, because of the failure of the church to be the light and to be the salt of the earth. But these things are changing, praise God. It says that constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And you can see here that God stepped in in the affairs of men on behalf of the church. God stepped in and and got involved in the leadership of a nation on behalf of his church. When the church began to pray, God began to move not just in the church, but in the government. Did he not? Did he not take this ungodly king out? Well, yes. If you read on, we stop there in, uh, uh, in verse number 19. But if you continue reading, it says, Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. But they came to him with one accord, and having made Blastus the king's personal aid, their friend, they asked for peace because their country was supplied with food by the king's country. So on a set day, Herod, arrayed in in royal apparel, sat on his throne and gave an oration to them. And the people kept shouting, it's the voice of a God, not of a man. Then immediately the angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God, and he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God grew and multiplied. This was a a very wicked king who thought he would stretch forth his hand to harass some of the church. And and the church church wasn't hurt. Uh, There was the loss of, of James and that was a tragedy. I've wondered many times, I wonder how much revelation was not given because James was lost. Think about, think about the epistles of Peter. Think about the epistles of John. What in the world could have come from James? Now, before you think, well, you know, God would just raise up somebody else. Not necessarily. When God gives revelation, when God has a plan for somebody's life and that plan is, is cut short because of a failure of the people to pray, God's not obligated to give that revelation, revelation through somebody else. So we don't know what we lost. But the church ultimately was victorious and the king was smitten of God and died. I'm telling you, God is able... And I'm telling you today, God is moving to turn things around in our nation. God is is injecting himself again in the affairs of the United States of America on behalf of the church. It's happening. Amen. Amen. Now, I want to read something to you. This is from Randy Greer. And and most of you know uh, Brother Randy. He's ministered here many times uh, in this church. And this is from a recent... uh, uh, 
newsletter that, uh, that he published. And so I'm gonna read, it's just, it's, it's not long. I'm gonna read this article that he wrote. This was nine days ago. Uh, he published this, uh, you know, in his online newsletter. And before I read it, just in case there's any doubt in your mind might creep up while I'm reading it, I concur with everything I'm reading here. So I just wanna read you what Randall Greer wrote. He quoted from Daniel chapter two. And he changeth the times and seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. That's from Daniel chapter two, verse 21. Now I'm reading here from, from what Randall wrote. He said, the spirit of God spoke to me in December 2015. He said, a shaking will occur in the government of the land because it has tried to hinder my plan. I did not know what, that, what would happen that would cause a shaking in the political scene of this nation at that time. It is clear now by what has already happened. We basically have a two-party political system in our nation, the Democrats and the Republicans. There are the Libertarians, but they have never gained much political ground. Each one of these two parties have an agenda or platform that they intend to implement in this nation. Research Democratic platform and Republic platform, Republican platform and read them for yourselves. You remember I talked about this two weeks ago. When you vote, you are not just voting for a man or a woman. You are voting for and approving the laws the party wants to pass in this nation to implement their ideologies. Most people never think of it this way. We have entered into a time and a season like we have never been in before in our nation. Our nation has had many problems in the past, but the morals and values of our nation have never declined to the present level. Right and wrong have mostly been lost in the nation and in the church. There is a new time or season that we are entering into. The Lord God will allow us to be brought to our knees if we are not there already. He is still God and his will is presently coming to pass in this nation. He has heard the prayers of the saints. We all have our own ideas about how this will occur, but it will take place according to his will and his way. On Tuesday, September the 20th, 2016, I was awakened at four o'clock in the morning. The Lord immediately began to speak to me about the shaking in the government of the land. He revealed that there would be a shaking in the church world also. Things in the church and the nation are out of his divine order and must be dealt with. God will have his way in this day. Anytime the Lord has spoken to me over the years, he has always given me chapter and verse in the Bible with the principle he is speaking about. He always works in line with his word. He gave me the scripture on that Tuesday morning like he always had. Also, I don't know it all. I only know what the Lord allows me to see. And then uh, Randall uh, repeats this verse. He changes the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. That's the scripture the Lord gave him. Then Randy goes on talking. God changes the times and the seasons. This is not just referring to the weather. It is speaking of spiritual times and seasons in the earth. He removes kings and sets up kings. This means he gets involved in government, governmental affairs of men on the earth. This happens through the prayers of the saints who ask him to change things in the political realm. We don't have kings in our nation. We have presidents and other political offices. Demonic oppression and spiritual darkness invaded our nation when President Obama was elected in 2008. His goal has been to eradicate Christianity in the United States. It is also Mrs. Clinton's goal to continue to follow President Obama's plan by her own admission. Now, I've inserted in, in what Randy wrote, and anytime I insert something, there's twice, I'll tell you. He said Mrs. Clinton's goal is to follow Obama's plan by her own admission. Let me just read uh, Hillary Clinton's own words. She said, speaking about abortion, and she said essentially the same thing about the uh, uh, gay rights agenda. She said, all the laws we've passed don't count for much if they're not enforced. Rights 
have to exist in practice, not just on paper. Laws have to be backed up with resources and political will. And deep-seated cultural codes, religious beliefs, and structural biases have to be changed. Now notice, someone argued to me recently with me that, that uh, spiritual attitudes and religious views are changing. It's one thing for change to come from people It's another thing when someone who would be the head of a nation says these religious beliefs and what she calls cultural biases have to be changed. She said they have to be changed in the context of laws being backed up with with resources and political will. Now that's in Hillary Clinton's own words. It, 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 should, it should send a hypothetical chill down anyone's spine to read that, a, that someone who is running for president of the United States talks about changing religious views. It's not the government's job to change religious views. It's, it's the church's job to change the view of America, not the other way around, and especially the government. How dare, how dare a government official speak so, so... Uh, arrogantly that that the church has to change its religious views. Now I'm going back to what Randy wrote. He said, President Obama declared that the United States is no longer a Christian nation. He declared that to the world. This was the voice of demonic powers whose goal was to destroy Christianity. politicians, Politicians can be used by the devil to implement his plans just as God can use politicians to implement his plans. God permitted President Obama to be president because the majority of the people voted for him. The majority of the people wanted him. And the church failed to pray as it should. God also permitted Israel to wander and many died in the wilderness because the majority wanted it. Never was it the will of God, but he permitted it and many people suffered needlessly. The prayers of the saints will hold back this decline in our nation. I keep being prompted to pray intensely for our nation and many others are too, whether they are obeying that prompting or not. Then he goes back to the book of Daniel and quotes from the fifth chapter of Daniel about uh, Belshazzar. Now, Belshazzar was the king of Babylon at this particular time. His father was Nebuchadnezzar. You might remember that Nebuchadnezzar, uh, the king of Babylon, the king that uh, deported, uh, went in and, and besieged Jerusalem and, and uh, took it over and, and uh, uh, brought captives into Babylon. Daniel was one of those captives as well as uh, 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 the three other Hebrews. Uh, their names slipped me, Meshach, Shadrach, Meshach, and, and Abednego. Uh, those were the other three that we have names for. And... Uh, God gave Nebuchadnezzar a dream and he couldn't understand it. And so he called all of his uh, wise men and said, because they had been, evidently, they had been uh, giving him false interpretations. And he said, I tell you what, I want you to not only tell me the interpretation of a dream, I'm not gonna tell you the dream, you tell me the dream. And if you can't tell me the dream, I'm gonna kill you. And they all said, well, you can't do that. You know, how can anybody tell you the, the dream? You have to tell us the dream. Then we'll, we'll interpret it. He said, no, you've been playing this game too long. And uh, he said, you've been giving me phony interpretations. You tell me the dream. And if you can tell me the dream, then I'll believe you have the interpretation. Well, they were all, you know, uh, scared. And so the, he sent his executioner out and he started killing some of them. And, and, and Daniel and came and said, now, hold on a minute. He said, uh, before you kill anybody... Give me a little time. Let me pray about this. I believe God will give me the answer. And the Lord did. He went to Nebuchadnezzar, told him the dream. It had to do with the future of his nation and other nations and what would happen after that and so forth. Well, that was a dream that God gave to Daniel and or gave to Nebuchadnezzar, gave Daniel the interpretation of it. And, and Nebuchadnezzar promoted Daniel and honored him. But then he slipped back into pride again. And he began to boast to himself, look at all that I've done and all that I've built. Another dream came, and uh, 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 this time it had to do with him being uh, judged by God, and it came to pass. He actually lost his mind for a period of time, maybe seven years. We don't know exactly how long, but it kind of hints at that. Nebuchadnezzar actually lost his mind, and they put him out to pasture. 
literally, he was on all fours on the ground. They fed him hay and grass like cattle. His hair grew out like, like the feathers of a bird, it says, and his, and his nails grew long like claws. He was completely out of his mind and just went around on all fours on the ground, ate grass until he humbled himself. And when, his, and when his senses came back again, he said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And so God humbled Nebuchadnezzar and he acknowledged God. But then his son came along, Belshazzar, and uh, he, he, just give you a little background, he, full of pride, Nebuchadnezzar had stolen the gold and the, and the different artifacts out of the, of the temple and transported them to Babylon. The different uh, cups and bowls and different things that were used in the house of God, he brought all of that as, as, as bounty, as, you know, as reward spoils of his, of his conquest and brought them to Babylon. But evidently, he had respect for those things and never used them. Well, his son came along and he put together this big uh, banquet of maybe a thousand people and uh, they all began to eat and drink from these things and, and Randy goes into this. So let me, let me go back to Randall's writing here. Randy, I've called him Randy all of my life. He says Randall now, but he's, you know, he's sophisticated. But uh, I've always known him as Randy, so you have to uh, forgive me for that. Daniel 5, I'm reading again from from, uh, Randall's writing. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver, of brass, of iron, of wood, and of stone. In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. This is where we get the expression, expression, handwriting's on the wall. King Belshazzar gave a party with at least a thousand in attendance. He decided to mock God and drink from holy vessels taken from the temple of God. I'm reading from Randall here. The political powers of that day decided to make fun of the one true God and praised the non-existent gods of gold, silver, brass, iron, wood, and stone. How many false gods are being praised by our government today? True Christians are mocked and made fun of and the Bible has been removed from most public places as well as prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. In the same hour, Daniel chapter five, in the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace and the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Judgment day came with no space for repentance with the handwriting on the wall. This political regime had mocked God for the last time and it was about to come to an end. In our day, judgment has already begun in both political parties. I will say more about this later in this document. Judgment has already begun in both political parties. Needless to say, the laughter was over when the hand appeared and wrote on the wall. The king was in great fear and rightly so. He wanted to know what the writing said. He called the devil worshipers, whether they knew they were or not, and they could not read the writing on the the wall. They could not interpret to the king what was written. The queen heard how the king's wise men could not read the writing. She told him about Daniel who had interpreted King Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Daniel was called in by Belshazzar. He offered Daniel great riches and honor if he would tell him what the writing meant. Daniel refused to take any gifts because the gifts in his life were not for sale. I wonder how many can be bought today with money, prestige, and position. Daniel began by telling Belshazzar that he knew, Belshazzar knew, that God had made Nebuchadnezzar live in the woods and eat grass like a cow. This happened to Nebuchadnezzar because he had lifted himself up and not recognized the God of heaven. He basically told Belshazzar that even though he knew this, he had got, he had got lifted up lifted up also and dishonored the God of heaven. Many governmental officials dishonored the God of heaven today, but the handwriting is on the wall. Daniel said, and this is the writing that was written, mean, mean, tekel, upharsen. This is the interpretation of the thing. Mean means God has numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Tekel means thou art weighed in the balances and are found wanting. And Perez means thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. That night, Belshazzar was killed and his kingdom divided. 
You know, in one night, everything changed. In one night, everything changed. He says, the Belshazzar principle today. The handwriting on the wall began in December 2015 when the Lord revealed to me, and I'm sure to others, what he did. He said, there is coming a shaking in the government of the land because they have tried to hinder my plan. On September 20th, 2016, the Lord revealed how some of the shaking had already occurred in the political realm. First, I will tell about the Republican Party, how the shaking has taken place in the Republican Party. An outsider of the party, Mr. Trump, began to gain momentum even though many said he was a joke. It was declared he was unfit to be president and would never make it as the nominee for the party. He called the insider Republicans, the insider Republicans names on international TV over and over. He berated them and rebuked them for their failure to resolve the problems of this nation. The Republicans had, well, I think he deals with this in a minute, but the Republicans had taken control of the House and the Senate And yet they failed to do what they were elected to do. They failed to keep their promises. They were spineless. I'll go back to what Randy was writing here. He said uh, he rebuked them, he berated them. Mr. Trump berated them and rebuked them for their failure to resolve the problems of the nation. Mr. Trump's actions were not politically correct and were not practiced by any other candidate. Many laughed at him and made fun of him, declaring he would never be the nominee. Randy says, I believe the Lord used him to rebuke the Republican Party after he had allowed them to control the House and the Senate. They failed to do what they had promised to turn the nation back in a godly direction. God used a donkey in the Old Testament to rebuke the prophet for disobeying him. Now I inserted my comments here. I inserted 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. This is what 2 Peter 2, 15 and 16 says. For they have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Baor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Now, does that not describe political leaders on both sides? They have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Baor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. But he was rebuked for his iniquity, Balaam was, a dumb donkey, using updated language, a dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice restrained the madness of the prophet. God used a donkey in the Old Testament to rebuke his prophet. Obviously, the implication is God has used a donkey today to rebuke the Republican Party. The Republican politicians were rebuked. Not one of the insiders were elected as the nominee to run for president. Against their pleas, outcries, and complaints, Mr. Trump rose to the top. I do not agree with everything Mr. Trump says or does, but you must admit he has risen to the top. I believe God permitted him to be there, whether the people recognize it or not. The Republican kingdom was divided and taken from those who disobeyed the will of God in the party. Their high and mighty attitude and rebellion brought them down just like Belshazzar. Look and see for yourself. Then in the Democratic Party, chaos and confusion filled the Democratic Party as Mrs. Clinton fell behind to a proclaimed socialist, Bernie Sanders. They could not believe how he was winning against her. They laughed at him, but he gained more and more momentum as he won different states against their chosen one, Mrs. Clinton. A chairwoman of the party put together a plan to block Mr. Bernie from being nominated. This was exposed at the Democratic Convention through leaked emails Outrage took place in the party and they were divided. The ones who were for Mr. Bernie proclaimed the chairwoman blocked him from being nominated by crooked dealings through delegates. The Democratic chairwoman made history and was fired from her position during the convention. It became clear clear God was shaking the party. A legal investigation took place against Mrs. Clinton about classified emails being misused. 
This still continues today. And of course, it has expanded beyond emails and now they're looking at the, the uh, deep corruption of the Clinton Foundation and the pay for play. I just made that comment myself. This, history, this made history as a presidential candidate was under criminal investigation while running for president. It seems almost unbelievable, but it is occurring. We've never experienced anything like this in a nation. A, 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 a president, presidential candidate nominated by their party days from the election, a brand new investigation, criminal investigation, which people are saying indictments are likely. How absurd. It is occurring. Uh, the Lord is shaking the political realm like he said. Mocking God and his church is not good. Saul found out that out on the road to Damascus. Then Randy concludes with God is with us and his will is coming to pass. I, I, I agree. I really concur with, with Brother Randy on his analysis of this. God has shaken the political and is shaking the political foundations of our nation right now. And it's because not one party, both party, has been disobedient, not only to do what they were elected to do, they've been disobedient to God. They have withstood righteousness and they've loved the wages of unrighteousness. God's turning everything upside down. I'm gonna tell you, he's turning everything upside down. Now, now uh, we'll have to wait and see later this week what happens. But it, it has only started. I said it, it has only started. God has started this and he's gonna finish it. Because the church is, we're not gonna stop praying uh, Tuesday night. The church will continue to pray. We have to have some things turned right again in this nation. We have, we have got to, as a people, we have, we have to stand up again and the church must take the lead and stand up and call out things that are wrong, call out corruption, call out ungodliness, call out disobedience and rebellion to the things of God. And uh, our prayers are getting the job done. Amen. Let me read to you again from another passage in Acts chapter 4. Go with me over there to Acts 4. Acts 4. Now here, it was not the government that attacked the church, but the religious community that attacked the church. And at this time, in Acts chapter 4, there, it was not apparent yet that there was a new uh, uh, a new person. You know, in, in, in Ephesians, it says that God has taken from both Jew and Gentile to make of the two one new man, that new man being the church. It wasn't clear at that time in Acts chapter 4. Pauline revelation hadn't been preached. And so Jews were still uh, going to the temple. I mean, Christians were still going to the temple and they still at this time saw themselves as a sect or a movement within Judaism. They didn't see themselves as a separate entity like we've learned. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is not Jew or Gentile, it's the church. And this opposition came within their own religious community. You know what happened, Acts chapter 3, the man was healed at chapter 4. They took Peter and, and, and John in and, and uh, rebuked them and threatened them and so forth. Verse 23, it says, And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made the heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the, the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, both, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats 
and grant to your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Here I want you to notice it wasn't the government coming against the church, it was the religious community coming against the church. And even though we know now that that's two different bodies, the Jews and the, and the church, at the time they didn't see that. At the time it was religious opposition coming from within. It was opposition to the work of the church coming within the community of the church. Technically not from the church, you understand that, but from the community that the church saw itself in. There are a lot of people today in the church world a lot of leaders who've stood up and said, you know, the church needs to keep its mouth shut. Christians don't need to be speaking out on politics. Christians don't need to be speaking out on what's going on in the nation, speaking out uh, against corruption. Oh, yes, we should be. Because, we're, we're to, because it's, it concerns the things of God. It concerns right versus wrong. It concerns truth versus versus lies. It, it concerns uh, the way of God versus the way of this world. And the church must speak out on these things. If we don't, who will? Amen. And so we've seen even opposition from within the church, certain church leaders saying that, that Christians shouldn't get their hands dirtied with, with things having to do with politics. Well, our point is to pray. That's what we do. I said, that's what we do. We pray. It is the church's job to pray and to speak out about things that aren't right. Amen. Now, we know that prayer is part of it, but we know that prayer is not all of it. Prayer is an important part. And, and church, we need to continue to pray. We need to keep our, feet on, our foot on the gas pedal of prayer right now. Continue to pray. God is moving. You can see that. You can see God has, has intervened and has injected himself into the political situation of our nation and, and, and turned things that ought to be turned upside down. He's turned them upside down. And, and we need to continue to pray because it's not, it's not completed yet. But we also need to take authority. Amen. I want you to stand up with me and I want to just lead you in uh, exercising our authority in these different realms of, of the nation that affect us. You know, every realm that affects the church, the church needs to exercise its influence. The church needs to exercise its influence and it, our influence is spiritual. I said our influence is spiritual. Our influence is spiritual and we have spiritual authority. Amen. What goes on in this nation is to be driven by the church, not by the ungodly. The agenda of this nation is to be driven by the church, not by the ungodly. You say, how can you say that? We have a pluralistic society, a, a, a society of, of, of diversity. Listen, it was Christianity that gave birth to this nation. It was righteous men and women based, and, and not all of them even saved, but they based their, our government, our form of government, and our way of life on the Bible. And we have the right as the church to make sure it stays that way. It is our right. It is our responsibility. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today that you have raised up our wonderful nation and you have given us a place in the world, a place of leadership in this world. And we thank you for that. And this nation has become a beacon of hope, a beacon of light through the years. Though that light has been dimmed and the forces of darkness have tried to turn this nation away from those principles and even remove us from being the dominant uh, a nation in this world. Many forces today don't want to see the United States. Many forces within our own nation do not want to see the United States, the United States uh, to be a superpower anymore and to, and to be a dominant nation 
in the world anymore. But Father, we were put here for a reason and we must not allow that to happen. And so we take authority over the spiritual forces that are working behind the scene to bring our nation down, to corrupt our officials, to corrupt our, our government institutions and even public and national institutions. We take authority over the forces of darkness, foul demon spirits that have operated against our nation and even trying to operate in this, in this political season. We take authority over evil spirits operating in the political realm. We rebuke them in the name of Jesus. We say so far, but no further, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pull you down from your place of authority over the political scene of our nation. We take authority over the domestic scene of our nation. And I know, I know, foul spirits, I know your plan is to disrupt things in the days ahead and to bring much chaos and discord. We rebuke you in the name of Jesus. We say, no, you don't. No, you won't. No, it will not come to pass in the name of Jesus. Peace and tranquility will, will prevail in this nation and unrest, anarchy, and confusion is rebuked in the name of Jesus. It'll not come to pass. We thank you, Father, for a peaceful nation where the, where the gospel flourishes. We thank you, Father, for, for the church being uh, b- brought back to a place of being respected again and the things of God being respected again and even, and even uh, 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 looked upon as sacred again. We thank you, Father, for doing that. We come against the spiritual forces operating against the financial scene of this nation. You have held this nation back in, in uh, economics now for years and we rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Take your hand off the financial, the economic situation in this nation right now in the name of Jesus. We rebuke you. We command prosperity and blessing to return to this nation again. Good jobs, a growing economy, and more and more money to fund the preaching of the gospel around the world in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. We take authority over the spiritual affairs of this nation. Those evil spirits working in the spiritual realm to corrupt men and women and to darken their hearts in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we rebuke you and we command that you stop and desist in your, in your program of lies and deceits and misrepresentation in, in the spiritual realm in the name of Jesus and the glorious light of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ will shine brightly again in this nation and revival is coming to this nation in Jesus' name. You've prayed and many have prayed. And I, says the Lord, am not unfaithful to not hear and to not respond. For yes, I will respond to the prayers of my people. And yes, I will turn this nation in a way that will bring glory and honor to me again. And yes, there will be the flow of revival in this nation again. And yes, there will be many in these last days, not only in other places in the world where I am moving so powerfully by my spirit and have caused such rejoicing in the church, but even in this nation, in your nation, says the Lord, I have not forgotten nor will I forget the prayers that have been offered. And yes, says the Lord, I have come to the rescue and things are changing in this nation and revival will spread from the west coast to the east coast and from the south to the north, revival will spread all over this land and many shall be swept in to the family of God in these last days and a move of the spirit of God will transform many in this nation and will put a stop to the things that the enemy has tried to do for his days are numbered for a period of time. My glory will be poured out, says the Lord. So rejoice and be glad. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 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 Oh, Father, pour your glory out. Pour your glory out in the church, Lord. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. 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 Pour your glory out in the church that it may spread throughout this nation, Father. Glory, that your glory would be seen upon your people, Lord. 
Oh, hallelujah, that your glory would fill the earth and fill our nation, Lord. Glory, 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 glory to God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory to God. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Father. Bahase stelevit visti cobaranda. Unanayan shinano sikedo edevisti. Febra vidvandondo. Sikida istamiman anshistava. Stendimondi omo eshe. Shegi abo haskededo. Envin mananeo stofferadana. Era kerarishti maradondo sutrava trebia. Do not say that you have a small part and the part you play is not so important. Do not say that, says the Lord. For your voice is the voice of the mighty one. My spirit lives in you and my Holy Spirit inspires you and puts words in your mouth that must be uttered in prayer. And my spirit puts words in your mouth that must be uttered in declaring your righteousness and declaring the authority I've given to the church. And one is not more important than another, neither is one voice more powerful than another when spoken by the spirit of God and by the anointing, all are the same. And your voice, your prayer, your faith, your authority is key. It's vital. So take the responsibility that's been given to you and see to it that you exercise this. See to it that you give yourself to prayer, to intercession, and to thanksgiving. See to it that you give yourself to faith and words of faith and declarations of faith and the exercise of your God-given authority. For you, I speak to you, every individual, I speak to you. Your voice is critical. Your voice is heard on high. And I have come because of your words, says the Lord. So continue to speak what I give you. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.